When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage. It's Wednesday's edition, 10 till 12, here on the Sporting Goss. Thanks for your company on SENWA on the app. Of course, if you're listening on SEN Spirit 621, hello to everyone in the state south. And don't forget, you can always, if you miss any of the show today, get onto sen.com.au, download the podcast, any of your podcast provider, and listen to the catch-up of the whole show or some of our feature interviews. And boy... Have we got a show for you today? Plenty going on in the world, as we heard there with the news with Alex Riddell, is it's all taking place in Victoria in regards to the COVID testing and the cases that have exploded over there in Victoria and, of course, crossed over the border from South Australia as well. So plenty to play out there. And Essendon are soon to be flying across here to Perth, as we heard from Josh Marnie this morning. He will, they will be coming across uh, very early for their game Saturday night. So it's already Wednesday, so they're going to spend Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, play Saturday night, and then fly out on Sunday. So it's a long journey for the Essendon Football Club. I'll be chatting with Sam Edmund very, very shortly. We're getting on the line right now. And Mike McKenna's going to join us, the Optus Stadium CEO, because Optus Stadium and their staff are also uh, working with the state government, with the health department, and also the WA police in regards to what's going to take place here at Optus Stadium. Mike McKenna going to join us very, very shortly. Also, a little later in the show, Hamish Brayshaw from the West Coast Eagles Waffle Team will join us. And a very special guest, Lockie Taylor, will join us from the great racing Taylor family. Of course, Jim Taylor, a one-time top jockey and leading trainer right now. Britt Taylor, who does some great work in media. But Lockie is a form analyst. And Lockie Taylor, as we're racing at Belmont today, the first race goes after midday. Get your pen and paper ready. Because this young man is one of the best form students and judges of horse flesh in the country. And let me tell you, he has got three horses for us today. and a $3 favourite. He's gone for a bit of value and he's very confident. And one of the horses he tips today is actually trained by his dad. So he's got some inside knowledge right there and then. So get your pen and paper ready. Lockie Taylor will join us just after the 11.30 news. But don't forget, always gamble responsibly. Big show coming up, but let's head straight across to Victoria. It's time to talk COVID. A lot is happening. It's an evolving world with what's taking place in Victoria. One man across it is SEN's Chief Football Reporter, Chief Sports Reporter, Sam Edmund, who's had a crazy week, a crazy 24 hours, 12 hours, 6 hours, 3 hours, 2 hours, and probably still being crazy right there. Sammy, appreciate your time. What is actually happening right now with COVID over there in Victoria and how it's affecting, in particular, the teams trying to get out of town? Oh, great to be with you, Tim. You're right, we've been here before. We've seen this movie, haven't we? So we've all gone back into automatic pilot. That includes the AFL, the players, the teams, and the clubs. Hard to know where to start. As we speak, the Western Bulldogs are actually on the track. So thankfully, all their players 
have been cleared uh, of COVID-19 after they were made to isolate and quarantine yesterday. While they're training, the Blues are down at the Marvel Stadium drive through getting tested for COVID as well because they're about to fly out early at 4 o'clock this afternoon for that trip to Sydney. So the AFL looking to get Carlton out early, much like they're doing with Essendon, who have been tested. They received notification last night that they will have to leave today as well to get over to Perth early. And then the Hawks, well, they're going to fly out tomorrow for that trip uh, up to Darwin to face Gold Coast at the weekend a day early as well. So the AFL moving really quickly to get those three travelling teams out of the state. And they'll be fearing, obviously, worst-case scenario, why they still can. And I mentioned the Western Bulldogs. They've also got Port Adelaide, who have now been made mm. to follow their path. They're isolating and testing as well after their commercial flight back from Melbourne to Adelaide had some fans on it, of course, that were seated in the areas of the MCG that were later found to have a positive COVID case. So it's absolutely all happening, Goss. And uh, even by COVID standards, it's been pretty hectic and fast moving. No doubt about that. And it's interesting. They're probably, I was very disappointed in the crowd that uh, didn't show up to the Collingwood Port Adelaide game, especially with the lead up to it through the prison bar jumpers, uh, the, the week that Collingwood had had and everything like that. So I was surprised it was only a small crowd, but that may prove to be a blessing in disguise in the end. Well, I might be. I mean, there's a whole host of reasons for that. Of course, the season of Collingwood is having um, the fact that viewing habits have, have, have largely changed and, and we're seeing lower attendances right across the board. And I reckon you could ask five different punters and you get five different responses as to why they're not going seating, ticketing, COVID. And those that, that are perhaps just don't feel comfortable going back to the football just again. And, and those uh, opinions would have only been reinforced, obviously, with the events of the last... 48 hours. Going to, going to chat with Mike McKenna, the CEO of Optus Stadium as well, because the Dockers, albeit we had pretty wet weather last week, they uh, didn't get, didn't crack 30,000, which was a bit of a surprise last week in a great game with Buddy Franklin being the star attraction. Uh, look, there seems to be some movement too about umpire abuse as well. I saw your article on sen.com.au. Yeah, indeed. They had a, a CEO's meeting yesterday, did the AFL. It went for much of the day, but a big part of that, and it was raised multiple times, was the AFL threatening to suspend anyone who criticises umpires or approaches them on game day, Goss. So they effectively dialled up the strictness on umpire abuse, pretty much fed up with what uh, the AFL believes to be just the increasing willingness for those to make public comment on the whistleblowers. So the league warned in this meeting yesterday with the uh, 18 CEOs that it was actually willing to ban players, officials and even coaches for commenting on the umpiring. And probably one of the straws that broke the camel's back, of course, was Jason McCartney, the GWS football boss, for that for that incident at half-time of the Giants' uh, round six loss to the Western Bulldogs. We've seen Damien Harwood making comments at uh, half-time about the free kick count on, on primetime television on Channel 7 across the across the country. We've seen St Kilda coach Brett Ratton wondering whether it's even worse tackling after uh, Eastside didn't get, in his mind, appropriate uh, rewards for their 87 tackles in a recent game as well. So, look, when you go back through it, they're adding up, they're adding up, and the NFL's just had enough of it. And may I say, uh, Carlton considering appealing the Lockie Plowman decision, which uh, saw him, uh, the two-week suspension, stand for him after going to the tribunal last night. They are indeed. Uh, as we are speaking now, they've got about 10 minutes to formalise that decision before the deadline, but they're giving us serious consideration to this. Such was their, their anger at the way that hearing played out last night at the AFL Tribunal. It went for the better part of two hours, and, and for about half an hour before the panel um, went away to deliberate, it was 
bogged down and somewhat heatedly over the classification of whether this could be considered a marking contest. Now, ultimately, the Blues were irritated by the decision of the chair, Ross Howie, and his instruction to those panel members, Richard Loveridge, David Neeson, and Wayne Henwood, that the incident, in fact, could not be considered a marking contest and that the panel could only judge it on whether it was a bump or not. So that led to Lockie Plowman's two-match ban being upheld. And now the Blues are obviously attempting to uh, argue whether they can uh, appeal on the grounds of an error or law has occurred uh, when it comes to this finding, which is the avenue as per the tribunal guidelines. So, Goss, if they do it, $5,000 to appeal. They'll get half of that back should they be successful. They've got a pretty busy week, the Blues. The team's flying out this afternoon. And if Lockie Plowman's successful, he'll join his teammates a little bit later on up there in Sydney. Yeah, it's been a crazy week, mate. I can say, since we've been talking, the Herald Sun have just posted a local football club has urged players and supporters to get tested immediately after one of its players returned a positive COVID-19 test from the May 22 game on the weekend at Ormond Park. It was a ladies' day event held in the afternoon. So it is a little bit crazy right now. The Mooney Valley Football Club is part of the Essendon District Football League. So it's spreading. It's spreading. Yeah, it is, unfortunately. And and, uh, what have we got now? 14 cases linked to this cluster. I think about 23 total when you take hotel quarantine in. So as the government has said today, they're permitting footy crowds this weekend at the MCG and Docklands. To what level, whether it remains at the 85% or it comes back, we await further decision on. Now, they did say, the acting Premier James Bellino moments ago, Tim, that uh, the next 24 hours, absolutely crucial. Round of one primary close contacts, 80 of those, have tested negative so far, which is good news. And they haven't, though, ruled out taking any further action if necessary. So the next 24 hours, absolutely crucial. So not just the football, but, of course, uh, our way of life over here in Melbourne. Yeah, 100%. Appreciate your time, Nathan. No, it's been crazy busy. Thanks for taking our call. On you, guys. Sammy Edmund, SEN's Chief Reporter, Football and All Things Sport, here on SEN on the Sporting Goss. So stay safe and follow the protocols, and we look forward to seeing Essendon arrive late this afternoon. This is the Sporting Goss. Well, as we've heard, there's been plenty going on in Victoria, and the Essendon Football Club are already on their way for their Saturday night fixture against the West Coast Eagles. One man who, of course, will be pretty busy over the next few days, I'm sure, in consultation with the health department, the government and also the WA police, is the CEO of Optus Stadium, and that is Mike McKenna, and he joins us on Sporting Goss. Mike, appreciate your time on a very busy morning. Um, it's a moving feast, isn't it? It's, uh, it's constantly on the move. Yeah, it certainly is. I think it goes to show that um, you know, the virus hasn't gone away and it still has a, you know, has a threat to this, the uh, AFL season. How does, that, how does this affect anything that's happening here? Obviously, crowd numbers and the government has said this morning, the police, um, uh, Chris Dawson, the head of police, said that they won't be making a decision on crowd numbers just yet. They'll be keeping an eye on what's taking place in Victoria. But obviously, you've got to have plan A, plan B, plan C for that type of thing. It, it really is a watching brief for all you, uh, all your staff and everyone involved at Optus. It certainly is. We're uh, you know, very conscious of um, the potential for the, you know, the, I guess the landscape to change underneath us. Um, but we have had lots of experience at almost all the scenarios that you can pose um, uh, going forward. So, you know, we're prepared for all eventualities. So I guess the most challenging one is a change in the crowd size. Um, uh, and, and I think the West, West Coast Eagles members can be you know, pretty comfortable. They can get in their normal seats until the, um, the capacity drops below 75%. Um, if that happens, then you know, it's going to be a different challenge altogether. But we're hoping that doesn't happen. 
Mike, do you think the crowd numbers, and we saw a reasonably disappointing crowd, albeit the weather was a bit off the other night at the Fremantle game, do you think, still think there's some trepidation amongst the community in regards to, to coming to footy games at the moment? Nothing, nothing that you can do about it, nothing the stadium can do about it. There's still the facility, still the world-class facility that it is. There's still public transport and the like. Do, do you think there's, from your vantage point, there seems to be some sort of concern still in the community about coming to uh, sporting events? I think there is, Tim. I think there's, you know, people are, some people are reluctant to come. Um, you know, there's other factors at play. As you say, the weather last weekend, it was pretty threatening at the mm. time people would be leaving to come to the ground. It made an easy decision to stay home. Mm. But there are other things as well. There's new mobile ticketing systems that people are still getting their heads around. The ability to swap tickets is, you know, more complicated than it was before. I think there's a lot of factors. Um, but look, footy still has great appeal. I think people are still, you know, still really interested in the seasons at an interesting point. Um, and what's you know, even more exciting is that off the stadium, we haven't had a home team lose a game this, so far this season, yeah. other than Frio in the, in the Derby. But uh, other than that, West, you know, West Australian teams are, are 10 and 0 um, at home. So, look, that's a, you know, all the reasons to be confident about what's this, what the season holds. We're just hoping that we can get through this Victorian outbreak without too many issues. Mike McKenna from Optus Stadium is our guest on Sporting Goss this morning. Uh, Mike, what about protocols for people coming to the ground? I mean, obviously, you're very, obviously the QR code is an important one. Patience is another. Would you be asking Eagles fans, to, if weather permitting, and they've had big numbers are showing up and it doesn't affect the crowd size, get there early, get comfortable early, um, and to avoid a delay and miss the start? of a game? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's always the case. I mean, the crowds are becoming later and later, and I think it's you know it's a good move to come a little bit earlier to spread the arrival times to reduce congestion, but also to make sure you're in your seat for the for the first bounce. Um, it's you know we get a lot of people in pretty quickly through the gates, but um, you know, it's become increasingly challenging as people come later. And if there are increased protocols, um, that makes it even even harder to get people in. So, you know, no reason to to be to panic, but just come that five or ten minutes earlier and make sure you're there for the bounce. Are you very comfortable with the way your staff are coping with this um, ever-changing world we're in? Obviously, you're, you're obviously in close contact with your, your head of departments and the likes, and they're in charge of, of a lot of the elements that are put into Optus Stadium. Obviously, you're, you're very happy with the way it's gone in the past, and you'd be on your toes for Saturday night. Yeah, we've been on our toes now for a year and a half, and um, you know, there's, there's lots of changes at last minute, but that's, I guess, the... The staff here, are, you know, are well prepared for that. Um, I think the the real heroes in this are all of our casual staff, yeah. you know, who you know who work shifts at the stadium, and it's an important source of income, but also a source of camaraderie for them. And not knowing whether they're going to have a shift on the weekend from one week to next is quite challenging. And we really appreciate their loyalty and the way that they you know continue to greet people who come to the stadium with a smile and and offer their help and make sure people are comfortable at the ground. Uh, they're outstanding, and we really appreciate their help. Yeah, they do a remarkable job, everyone here at Optus Stadium. Hey, mate, appreciate your time. I know you've been very pressed for time. You're a very busy man, but you always take time to uh, keep our listeners updated who are coming to Optus Stadium. Great experience. Let's hope the weather is fine. Essendon are arriving today to get out of Victoria, which is the safe bet, and looking forward to a big crowd here for the Eagles on Saturday night. Thanks for joining us. Pleasure, Tim. There's Mike McKenna, the CEO of Optus Stadium. It is the best venue in the world, there, bar none, no doubt about that. And the staff will be doing a remarkable job. So keep your eyes peeled, keep your ears on the radio and also keep an eye on the Optus Stadium website and also West Coast Eagles fans, keep an eye on your website as well if there is any late change. But this stage, it's going to be a very big crowd Saturday night. This is Sporting Goss.
Yeah, cool world. It certainly is. Pretty cooled outside as well. A bit of jump up weather. 13 12 55 if you want to give us a call on the open line or text away 0487 736 736. Ask anything, have anything you wish to say. After the 10.30 news, we'll be chatting with Georgie Parker for her regular segment of, of course, a bit of light and shade today with Georgie because she's in the heart of Victoria, heart of Melbourne, and she'll give us uh, the updated uh, moment of what uh, is taking place over there, of course. Uh, still plenty more to come, including, of course, uh, Miguel Hume. Remember Miguel? He's doing the Walk for the Boys, of course. That's taking place a little late. Well, he's actually started as well, which is fantastic. We'll check in with him as well. A bit of breaking news. Carlton is on the back of what we heard from Sam Edmund. He did say that the decision would come through very, very shortly. Carlton is appealing the Lockie Plowman too much ban, which was upheld last night at the tribunal. And this uh, news, which came through last night, multiple sources are now claiming that broadcasting rights for the A-League have been won by Channel 10. It's US owner Viacom CBS and its new streaming service Paramount, which launches in Australia this August. So a live game every Saturday night on the main channel and another on 10 Bold and the rest is on the streaming service. So if you're a lover of the A-League, you'll be able to watch the A-League games as well. Big news coming out of the West Coast Eagles yesterday, and that is, of course, is that Oscar Allen is staying with the club. Don't think it comes as any great shock, but he signed a lucrative deal, a contract extension for another three years, and he broke the news on the West Coast Eagles at training yesterday. Hey, guys. I'm really excited to announce that I signed an extension with the club. Um, I love playing here in front of the best fans in the world. I love the football club. and Most importantly, I love all the playing group. I'm really excited to see what we can do for the next four years. And, yeah, I'm just unbelievably thrilled and, and looking forward to seeing everyone on Saturday night. It should be a great game. That's uh, Oscar Allen. And uh, catching up with Oscar a little later in the day, of course, he'll be with Hamish Brayshaw in the Coast to Coast podcast. And I'm sure he's going to be grilled by Hammer in regards to the new deal as well. West Coast Eagles injury update. Well, there's been plenty of talk about their their injuries, of course. Their head of football is Craig Vozzo, and this is what he had to say late yesterday in regards to the injury situation at the West Coast Eagles. Yeah, so Elliot and Hutch uh, pulled up well. Um, they both did a good job. Elliot uh, uh, was on limited minutes. I think he played just over 70 minutes in the end, got up the volumes that our guys um, were wanting. So the reports were he came up well from the game. So we'll see uh, how he progresses through the week. I don't want to get too excited um, and see how he main, main trains and, and then we'll make the, that decision later in the week. Uh, Hutch, he had a really good game first up, as you'd expect. Uh, Hutch is a real professional. He was uh, ready to go, um, got a lot of the ball and was probably our best player on the day. So he's uh, he's come up really well um, and fresh and uh, looking forward to him building up a little bit more form and hopefully putting himself up for selection at AFL level very soon. Yeah, Brad turned an ankle um, on the weekend, you would have seen. He's pulled up okay. The reports from the doctors were positive. It's just a plain vanilla type sprain. Um, he'll have a slow start to the week and uh, he'll be a decision uh, pending how he performs through the weekend at main training. Yeah, so Alex pulled up really sore after our captain's run, so it was uh, quite a surprise. He's had a little bit of a uh, symptom beforehand in the area, so he uh, he's had a light, after getting pulled out of the game, had a light week so far. So they've done some scans and they're, they're uh, working out exactly what it is at the moment, um, and hopefully it's not the dreaded uh, OP word. So we'll work through that over the next week or so. He won't be available this week. We're going to take a conservative approach over the next week or so and then finalise where we get to. 
two after that. Yeah, so Jeremy, um, he's going to be out with that knee for probably a four-week period is what the, the doctors are anticipating at this stage. So unfortunately, it'll be a post-buy thing, uh, which is disappointing for the club and for Jeremy. But um, uh, at least it's not a long-term thing, uh, and we'll look forward to working him back, um, hopefully close to after the buy. Yeah, Jared uh, looked like a nasty injury with that ankle. We were really worried. Fortunately, there's no fracture. Um, or bone damage but um, that dreaded word syndesmosis um, is what it is and he'll have a a very light four to six weeks to start off legs and and then we'll be rebuilding so it's going to be an extensive period out for Jared. Yeah, it looked pretty bad there. Jared Cameron on the weekend uh, against East Perth for the West Coast Eagles Waffle. I actually thought at the very first time that he had broken his ankle. I know the East Perth physio and doctor jumped off the bench. It happened right in front of him, but uh, syndesmosis and out for six weeks. So his wretched run of injury continues. Let's head down to Fremantle now. Here's Peter Bell talking about the Fremantle Dockers injury report. Belly, have you got an update for Matt Tabernard? Yeah, Matt wrenched his ankle in the game against Sydney. He's pulled up quite sore, uh, sent off for scans, which just showed uh, some wear and tear mainly um, with uh, some minor ligament damage as well. But he is quite sore, so he'll be um, really closely monitored during the weekend. He'll be a test for the weekend. And Andrew Brayshaw's a test for this weekend? Yeah, Andrew had a a really low-grade calf strain that unfortunately kept him out of the game against Sydney. Uh, We're very optimistic that he'll be available for Port Adelaide. And Alex Pierce came off early in the waffle with some ankle awareness. Can you give us an update about that? Yeah, during the uh, first half of Alex's game against West Perth, he just had some awareness uh, in the old site from the ankle injury sustained back in 2019. Clearly with Alex's history, we're really conservative with that. Um, early signs are quite positive, but we'll continue to talk to the, to the specialist and we'll just see how he continues over the next few days. But we're hopeful that he'll be fine to continue with some more minutes this week. And Brett Bewley's injured his calf? Yeah, Brett uh, sustained a a low-grade calf injury in the training of last week, so he will most likely miss this week, but hopefully be available the week after. Peter Bell from the Fremantle Football Club. So the courtesy of the Fremantle website and the West Coast Eagles website, that keeps you updated in regards to the injury wraps from both those teams. After the 10.30 news, Georgie Parker will join us. Miguel Hume, walk for the boys. He's uh, on his way, of course, heading up to Darren. It'll take about four days. We'll check in with him a little later in the show as well. Hamish Brashville will drop in from the West Coast Eagles a waffle team. They haven't had a win yet, and he'll tell us why. Clint Steindl from the Perth Wildcats. Kaylee Thompson will join us from NRLW, the WA team who took out the National Open Tournament in Brisbane over the weekend. She's also involved in the game development here at the NRL in Western Australia. Get your pen and paper ready. Lockie Taylor will join us. He's got three winners today. Belmont first race goes just after we're off air, just across the road here from Optus Stadium. And if you are a bit of a punter, don't forget, always gamble responsibly. But let me tell you, Lockie's tips today are 17 to 1, 14 to 1, and a $3 favourite as well. So it could be a very, very financial listen. So stay with us. Don't go too far away. This is Sporting Goss. Let's get some news. Thank you very much, April, uh, for your news service. Don't forget, still to come, Georgie Parker will join us and plenty more uh, up until midday today. You can always get in touch with us here at SENWA 0487 736 736 or the open line 13 12 55. 13 12 55. It's time to check in with the walk-up. I have loved you more each day Walking back to happiness Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, Miguel Hume is walking for the boys, a four-day walk to Darren to raise money and awareness for Heart Kids, of course. Uh, He did for Heart Kids, but this time he's done that in the past. It's for Richmond's Wellbeing Bouncing Back program that takes mental health and suicide prevention training directly to sporting clubs. He was in our studio just last week and he's now on the road. And where is he? Miguel, good morning. Where do we find you, great man? Good morning, Tim. How are you, mate? Yeah, where are you? Oh, mate, I'm in the comfort of the I'm, uh, I'm in the comfort of the SEN studio, which you were here last week. Where are you now? I'm in the middle of John Forest National Park, just on a gravel track at the moment. So I've, uh, I'm now officially just ticking over 29 k's for the morning. So you started this um, morning. What time? What time did you head out from uh, from West Leadville? I left. Uh, I think it was 4:30. So yeah, pretty early. So but, you've done um, six hours at six hours at the road, and it, it is very very chilly at the moment, mate. Does that make walking difficult? Well, it's quite good now, actually. It was pretty cold earlier. It's um, nice and sunny up here. A bit windy though. You can probably hear the wind. So I apologise if you can't hear me no, very no, well. But... No, no, we can deal with that. There's no doubt about that. So you're on track. So it's been a very solid start for you. Yeah, yeah, making good time. It's. Um, I've been a little bit crook lately, so I thought I'd go early and try and get it all out of the way as early as possible. Then I might be able to have a decent sleep tonight and wake up fresh in the morning. Uh, we're chatting with Miguel Hume, of course, who is walking uh, all the way to Darren. It's over four days. He finishes on footy day on the weekend. So just uh, for our listeners who are tuning in for the first time, Miguel, just tell us a bit about why you're walking for the boys. Uh, well, we're trying to raise money for um, men's mental health and, and sewer suicide prevention, uh, doing that through Richmond Wellbeing and their Bouncing Back program. Um, you know, uh, money's not the only thing. We just want to raise a bit of awareness and, and uh, get people having conversations about it and taking a bit of this, the stigma away and just trying to make some kind of difference. When you're walking on gravel, which you're doing right now up there in the John Forrest yep. National Park... That would um, you don't get great traction, or um, you know you, you're sort of you're not walking on bitumen, so a little bit on asphalt. It's not as easy. Uh, how long do you have to get through this stage uh, in regards to walking on the gravel through the through the national park? Well, this, this is it for the rest of the day. Now we're on on a gravel track up into up to Chidlow. So once I get to Chidlow, that that'll be 50 k's for the day. And then I'm going to get a lift five k's or so down the road to the Noble Falls Tavern. So uh, in the morning I'll take off from the tavern. But yeah, it's 50 k's to Chidlow. So the gravel track stops at Chidlow, and that's when that's when I'll be stopping. So yeah, it's gravel the whole way. You mentioned that you'd been unwell coming into that. I mean, obviously, <laughs> was there any thought that you might have to delay the walk, or is this always going to be? You were just going to say, "Not too bad." There's a, there's uh, other people doing it tougher than I, so I'm just going to battle on. Well, if anyone's eating breakfast, might want to turn the radio down. But uh, probably uh, as long as I had a few toilets on the way to Midland, I was probably going to be okay. But, um, yeah, no, it was a bit of gastro the last few days, but it's, I'm, I'm pretty good now. So, I've got I, Hume, he's uh, well, walking was, for the boys. Uh, yeah, sorry, I was hoping not to have to... Uh, <laughs> I, I never, never really thought about cancelling it. Nah, good man. Well done. Uh, we're walking to Dower and, of course, raising money and, in particular, awareness, of course, for Richmond's Wellbeing Bouncing Back program. Can you explain to me what the, the Richmond Wellbeing Bouncing Back program is is all about? 
Yeah, they they do work with um, sporting clubs to help help them dealing with you know all sporting clubs who've been through a, a suicide or also helping clubs to just be more aware and you know giving you a little bit of training on on recognizing signs and and learning how to you know talk to people basically and and anyone who's not doing okay sort of learning how to deal with it and and try to try to get people back on track so you know being being the the statistics that you, that you know about 18 the years 18 to 40 it's the biggest killer of men um you know that's the kind of demographic we've, we've got at, at our sporting club so it's a really good cause mate you're doing an awesome job uh, what about your support network who's there with you today yeah i've got uh i've got andrew who's uh i think i told you that this all started as a walk for ruby for yep for my mate andrew's uh when he lost his daughter um so andrew's with me and and joe another friend so we're uh, well, I met them in Midland, so we've uh, they're keeping the pace up for me. They're keeping me going. Uh, good on you, mate. So at the moment, you're probably tracking about four and a half k uh, hour. Is that about right? Have I got that right? Have I done the sums right? I think well, uh, might be might be a bit more than that, but I uh, yeah, I stopped for about half an hour in Midland for a coffee, so. Gotcha. I think it might be. I think I might be going a bit more than that, but anyway. Uh, good on you, mate. I won't, well, I, won't, well, I, won't, I won't argue that point. Yeah, well, math is not my strong point, mate. All I know is you're walking and I'm sitting here talking to you. And So, mate, uh, fantastic. And is it a stroll or is it a walk or is it a semi-run? What is it? Yeah, uh, trying, to, trying to push along a bit now, sort of wanting to get today over and done with and sit down at the Noble Falls Tavern and have, have a steak or something and... Have a good rest tonight. So I'd, I'd like to get tonight over with it. Um, about 20 k's to go for the day. So it's pretty pretty good. We should be done nice and early, hopefully. Yeah, good. Tomorrow's get on a big the, one. Yeah. So I want to I want to get that out of the way. Yeah. So what is tomorrow? So how far? So from where to where tomorrow? Uh, going from Noble Falls Tavern to Baker's Hill. Yep. So have some have some lunch there. They do the best pies around, I reckon. Um, <laughs> And then from uh, Baker's Hill to 2J. So it's about 60K. So it'll good be on you, mate. Oh, well, we'll check in with you tomorrow. We, we want to be, we want to yeah, be a part good. of this walk, mate. So we'll check in again about the same time tomorrow, if that's okay. Look if people to want to make a difference, go you. to uh, Work for the Boys, go fund me or follow them on Facebook. Uh, we'll put up our socials on the back of this interview as well. Appreciate your time, mate. Walk safe and uh, give, give our best to the boys who are walking with you as well. Yeah, good on you, Tim. Thanks very much. Good on you, mate. There's Miguel Hume, who's doing a great job. And if you see him, he's heading up to, going to get to Chidlow and then get to Noble Falls. If you're in that area, walk up, make a donation, give him a pat on the back, shake his hand. He's doing a four-day walk to Darren to raise money and awareness uh, for Richmond's Wellbeing Bouncing Back program, and that's mental health and suicide prevention. Basically, for men, the killer between 18 and 40, the average age of sporting club members. He's a remarkable fit man. Not feeling all the best today, but he's still out and about and currently on the gravel through John Forrest National Park. We'll get a breakaway. We'll come back. We'll be chatting with Georgie Parker next. This is The Sporting Goss. For footy crowds and for other major events, uh, there'll be uh, a, a 
a panel that will go through. The public, uh, the public events panel will provide advice. We'll get advice through public health in terms of any changes. We're not making, not making any announcements uh, today, but we are looking at, you know, there are a range of events, whether it's footy, whether it's cultural events. Uh, we'll work through all of those um, and provide further, further advice uh, when that is finalised. We've been here before, but we'll deal with it. We'll wait and see. We'll, we'll know much more in the next 24 hours. I'm confident the game will be going ahead. I'm confident, from what I understand, there'll be people there. But if there's restrictions or not, we'll know in the next couple of hours. Uh, we've advised them. Uh, I think they'll be arriving on Thursday. Uh, we'll get a test uh, regime in place and they'll have to test negative before such time as they can uh, come out of quarantine. That is James Molino, the Victorian acting Premier, Gil McLaughlin, head of the AFL, and now Premier Mark McGowan. Then, of course, Mark McGowan speaking yesterday in regards to when Essendon were coming. Well, they are coming today, not Thursday. Georgie Parker, of course, a big part of us here at SEN, of course, part of Gillian Goss and also part of the Sporting Goss is currently in Melbourne and there to stay for a bit, Georgie. It's um, certainly evolving minute by minute over there in Victoria. Yeah, it is, and it's, it feels like March last year where you have the, the TV on, on the news channels just constantly, just waiting for those updates, um, checking all the journos to see what they know, and, you know, it's a, a very anxious feeling amongst all the Melbourne um, folk over here at the moment. I was lucky enough to, to leave Melbourne during the, the peak of the lockdown last year, headed over to Lucky Perth, of course, but um, a little bit of PTSD for a lot of the, the Melbourne folk over here, so um, everyone's a little bit on edge. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, obviously the AFL have been very quick to move. Essendon oh. on a plane as we speak. We've also got other teams, of course, uh, Hawthorne, Carlton, and everyone sort of getting out of Victoria as early as possible. And then who knows where beyond that? So, I mean, it really is. It's a right now moment, but who knows what's going to happen uh, the next round and the rounds beyond if this can't get under control in Victoria. Yeah, I mean, I live with a Hawthorne player and Keegan Brooks, the ex-Eagles um, player as well. And, you know, he's not even travelling over to Darwin um, and he's off having a test at the moment as we speak. So they're taking it very seriously from the clubs and the AFL perspective. They want to get the players out so they can um, keep all these games going and the competition going. Because as we know, they're the feeder into everything coming below them. Um, so although you might think that they get special treatment, it's a lot of people's livelihoods are affected by the fact of these games going. And I think of this round, particularly to Doug Nichols' round, they're going up to Darwin to play. And just how much this game means to the, the community of the Territory, um, they look forward to this. A lot of the players look forward to this. Um, the Indigenous folk clearly have um, such a, a connection to the land that um, we don't quite understand as, as um, foreigners, I guess. So... It's um, a round that's very special to a lot of people, a lot of the community and the players themselves. So it's um, one that they particularly want to get up and about. So they're going to do everything they can to make sure they do um, for the people of Darwin. USPGA Championship has just uh, been completed and uh, this has gone viral. This has gone viral at the heavy... Uh, the N at NBC were doing a pre-record interview with American golfer Brooks Kepka when Bryson DeChambeau walked behind him. Have a listen to this. I don't know what other guys have said. or I just felt it difficult to read. You know, sometimes... Sometimes... Um, Lost. Well, I lost my train of thought, yeah. <laughs> Hearing that bull <laughs> That's Brooks Kepka, and that uh, was not meant to go to wear, and apparently it didn't go to wear, Georgie, but it's certainly gone viral, and I don't know whether Brooks Kepka is going to be happy about it, but Bryson DeChambeau certainly gets under his skin. 
Yeah, definitely. Apparently, it's about his metal studs on his shoes that he that nobody <laughs> likes. That's what he's saying. Oh, it's hilarious, isn't it? Just the distaste on his face. Wow. It was kind of like a mum was there trying to have a conversation, and a kid was behind them just doing something that they knew that they weren't meant to be doing. That's what I just. Oh, it was just so funny. But everyone has their little their little quirks, don't they? That they don't like. Now, we've got some breaking news, Georgie, if we've got you on here. Uh, the AFL mm-hmm. has put every Victorian club in lockdown for the next seven days. It's been revealed the league this afternoon told the state's 10 clubs it was taking the step to safeguard the competition in the face of Melbourne's growing COVID cluster. The clubs were told they can't be any crossover between AFL and VFL programs at training, including staff as well as players. Players will also be told by the club officials there will only be four reasons to leave home, exercise, obtain necessary goods, care and compassionate rounds as well. Players will also not be allowed uh, visitors unless they're there for an emergency, compassionate care or welfare reason. So this mm-hmm. is unfolding as we see. Oh, you can go to the Get Petrol or you can go to the post office. Yeah, and, and I kind of thought that might have come back into play. And I do feel as though for these AFL players, as you know, people don't like hearing this, um, the sympathy towards them because, of course, they get paid a lot of money and they're doing something that a lot of people but think that they can take for granted at times, but it does take a toll on these players. Mentally, mm. they lived in these completely different set of rules last year to all of us. Um, so it's been a tough year for them last year, and I don't think it's something they can do for a long time. It's not sustainable for them, but I know that they'll be happy happy to do it for what they need to be and what's deemed, I guess, fair and necessary for the competition to take place, especially while we're just trying to work out what's going on here in Melbourne. You know, there's a couple of 16 cases now and there's a lot of exposure sites as well in places that we frequent often as now come into South Yarra Pran where a lot of these players live. So understandable and hopefully it's only for the seven to 10 days. Yeah, Georgie Parker, our guest, uh, normally a pretty light-hearted uh, program. Uh, yeah, usually, that, that segment. usually it's a yeah. Seinfeld reference. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, you're my go-to right now. Everyone else has got masks on and uh, and uh, and uh, <laughs> have gone to ground, but we, you're getting paid, so that uh, makes it easier to get you. <laughs> hey, now, just in regards to uh, some news that came through yesterday, Max Duffy, former Fremantle Docker, played three games, mm-hmm. signed with the Denver Broncos, of course, and I saw online that they said um, Max Duffy here uh, signed up and they showed a shot of Hayden Ballantyne. Uh, rather than Max Duffy, but you've you've been in that situation yourself, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. So we got some AFLW player cards. I played a whopping three games, guys. I was not worthy of a card. And they knew that. They knew that. So I wasn't on a card. But Ash Brazzle, the All Australian netballer and uh, and footy player, was her card. And then they put a picture of me there. And I'm double Ash's size. And this photo is horrific. And there's all these cards printed of me all around. And I was showing my little nephew and he's like, Georgie, Georgie. I'm like, no, that's Ash Braz. And <laughs> it was me. So very limited edition them. So if you keep one of them, it might be worth something one day. Uh, very, very <laughs> good. Very, very good. Uh, what's the rest of the week? So, so get, I'm obviously, um, you know, you've got work for a couple of days and you're not going to be able to get across here to see hubby over here for a, a fair bit of the time. Just on a serious note, how does it change life for Georgie Parker? Uh, what's taking place in Victoria at the moment? Well, I guess uh, your work, if you don't have to go in, most people are now going to be working from home. So I'm going to do a bit of my work from here on the couch. And um, some people say they're more productive from home. I'm definitely not. So Me my neither. Me um, yeah, I was like waking up there today and I was like, oh, what can I do? Maybe I'll just clean out my wardrobe. So hopefully my <laughs> boss is listening. Um, but yeah, it's uh, most people are going to try to keep low. I mean, the footy is still going ahead with crowds as we speak. I'd, 
I'd like to think that not everyone's going to be going to there, but if they are, they're going to be doing the precautions that they need to do, checking in, wearing masks, socially distancing, all those things that I guess Melbourne are more equipped with and dealing with than anyone else in Australia. So hopefully that goes ahead. But in terms of me personally, I can do most of what I do at home. I'll go in for a few recording things and go in and out, no lingering, which is hard for me because I love lingering and I love a chat, mm. Scott. Mm. So um, it's just more that social side. But hopefully it's only just until we get on top of it. And I think certain states have shown that they can, if you take the precautions early, especially places like Sydney. So we'll see how it goes. Now, just before I let you go, Georgie Parker, our mm-hmm. regular guest here on SEN on the Sporting Goss and also Gillian Goss on a Monday morning, this popped up on my socials. Um, it, it Basically, Dylan Buckley, who does oh, a very good podcast, Dylan Friends, good fella, yeah. really good fella, um, but he, he was quoted on a breakfast show over there today by saying, David Mundy's one of the game's greats. If David Mundy was in Melbourne, he'd be as big as Scott Pendlebury, just as smooth, just as clutch, beautiful kick, 35 and still playing incredible football. And I responded... Can someone tell me why players have to play with the Victorian club to be considered a star of the game? Um, is it the wording, the way it comes out? Have I misread uh, his quotes? Or is this something that uh, continues to go on, that if you don't play in the big smoke, you're not as good as uh, those who do? Oh, I, I think that you can fly under the radar, which can work in your favour in some ways, and it can go against you in others. I mean, it's the reason why players like uh, Paddy Dangerfield wants to be back in Victoria rather than living his life in Adelaide because it's, whether we like it or not, it's the VFL expanded out to the AFL. And um, I guess that's where the big consuming of, of footy is. In, in the other way, it can really work for a player if they want to get away from that kind of... Um, media attention you look at a buddy goes up to Sydney and probably is living his best life up there away from that constant attention so in some ways it can work for you others against you but I think all he meant was that you can he's flying under the radar and people kind of you kind of forget about him because he's not back page of the paper here in the Herald Sun or the Age every day that's correct what I can think of it um but it does it does frustrate me. I'm from Adelaide. It's the exact same thing that, you know, these stars are coming in and junior stars are coming through and they just don't get that, um, and that, and that atten- not attention. They're still getting attention, but they're not getting the big raps that these other players are getting. Appreciate your time, George. You've got to go. News is coming okay. up at the top of the hour. We'll do it again on Monday on Gillian Goss. See you later, mate. Bye. Georgie Parker. This is the Sporting Goss. Welcome back to SEN Sporting Goss. Coming up to the news, of course, and a big next hour. Hamish Brayshaw has just arrived. He's going to join us in the studio as well, talking all things Waffle and the Waffle Eagles. Clint Steindl from the Perth Wildcats. Lockie Taylor will give us a winner or three. Don't forget, gamble responsibly. But Lockie is the best form judge in town, and he has got a couple of winners for us today at $17, $14 as well. Bit of each way value. The first race goes just after midday, and one of his tips is in the opening race. So get your pen and paper ready and don't go anywhere. And Kaylee Thompson will join us from NRLW, the WA team, and of course the NRLWA, the game development officer here in Western Australia. Keep listening to SEN on SEN Spirit 621 or on the app where you can download us, of course, and catch up with the podcast. This is the Sporting Goss. Big part of Sporting Goss is our coverage of the WAFL competition. And this week, well, the rounds continue and... It is at the Fremantle Community Bank Stadium where the West Coast Eagles waffle take on South Fremantle, who are coming off a disappointing performance against Perth. They'll be ready to bounce back. The captain of 
the West Coast Eagles, is Hamish Brasher when he joins us in the studio. Thanks for joining us. Josh, thanks for having me. You're going to get the Bulldogs on the rebound. Yes, unfortunately we are. It's, uh, it's the way we've been sort of going recently. We, um, but no, they, they had a uh, – Perth were very good on the weekend, I thought. I watched a bit of the game. Um, or sorry, listened to a bit of the game, and they were great. Um, and spoke, speaking to a few of the boys afterwards, they really sort of just jumped them. And I think, unfortunately for us, South Free, I'll be looking to go and ready to bounce back. But, uh, yeah, we'll see how we go. It is a tough caper being in the West Coast Eagles waffle team. And, and for that very reason, that you're reliant on the injuries at the top level. Yep. We did see the return of a couple of players on the weekend. I was yep. very much a headline act in, in Elliot Yo, yes. Vardy, Hutch yep. was back. And, and do you – is it a – Really tough situation to be in as the captain of a team where it's a, a revolving door. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's great to have those guys come back. And I mean, watching Yowie on the weekend, he was only out there for 60 odd minutes. But, you know, when he's out there, you can really notice that he's a the premiership quality player. And same with the other two, Hutch and Vards. Um, but it is, it's just so ever changing. You get guys who get injured at AFL level and, you know, will take one of our blokes to then go up and play. But now with the medical sub, you'd lose another one, and then with the travelling emergency, we've been unlucky in the sense that we haven't had many... We've we've either played Saturday or Sunday. We Hopefully in a couple of weeks we're going to have a Thursday night game against Richmond that we should have our travellers back for, but we've been two or three each time. Blokes will travel under injury cloud, which means there's another one that goes, and we completely understand it. All the boys that sign up for our waffle side know that that's, you know, that's what they sign up for, but it's... Um, it has it, it's hurt us a little bit to the start of the year. And how do you go on the criticism? And, you know, let's just say there's some media criticism and there's some social media criticism about, oh, you know, they've got to be better than this, they're the easy beats and, and this, that and the other. And you're a very proud young man who yes. uh, is captain of this football team, who has played at AFL and been on the list for a couple of years yep. as well. How do you take the criticism of the format of what the West Coast Eagles have and how it, the results that they produce? Well, I mean, yeah, the criticism's there and you can't knock it. We've, we haven't won a game. We've been beaten by sort of 50 points every week. So you can understand that the criticism's coming. I think a lot of that criticism is a bit naive in the sense that they don't understand the restrictions and the rules that have been put on us. Um, the but, way the, but these are not excuses. No, no, not excuses at all. I mean, we, 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 we've been poor. We haven't played at anywhere near what we think we should be playing. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you have, to deal, you have to deal with the criticism. It's there. Uh, I still think we've got a ways to go in... Um, in our level of performance, the way we go with our ammo boys connecting with our waffle players, connecting with the AFL boys. So I think it's, it's still a bit of time to gel. We've, we've missed all of last year, and a lot of our guys didn't even play footy. So, mm. I mean, we've, we've, we've got a young list. We've got a couple of guys that are just, you know, playing, haven't played over 10 league games. So it's, it's, it's going to take a while. But, I mean, there is noted, duly noted criticism, but it's, um, you know, I think we'll, we'll get past that. John Townsend, Springer Townsend, who, um, I don't know, he seems to have the West Coast Eagles in the in these sites yeah. at every available moment. He had a little quip uh, with a tweet the other day, which I responded to, and he had yep. said 12 AFL. And I said, oh, I was at the 12 AFL where four players have never played AFL. Yeah. One's played two games and one was a medical sub. And then he took, then he pulled out the premiership players. They had three premiership players, which is a fair stat in yep. itself. yep. But it just seems as though everyone says, oh, well, if you're on an AFL list, you're a super waffle player. But that's not the case. Well, I mean, for example, Zane True, and he's come from Swan Districts. He, was, he is going to be a very, very good player, I, I believe, anyway. Um, but he's played this is you know he's played five league games of waffle footy. So, I mean, you can't he, – he's going to be good. He's going to be a phenomenal player. But in round – I mean, round two I use as an example. We played West Perth, and Aaron Black was playing his 200th game, and – the expectations that people put on – I'm using Truy as an example just because he's a young fella. But, like, you can't expect him to go up and, he, you know, he'll have his moments where he plays well in the game. But 200 waffle games versus four, albeit you're on an AFL list, you know, you're, he's an 18-year-old kid. 
So I think they've just put all the weight of, oh, you're on a West Coast Eagles list, and, and it is added pressure that is, comes with being drafted. But they, um, yeah, I think it's un, unfair, a little bit unfair at times. What's the dissection of a performance? Get, to tell, get our listeners an idea. Yep. How, how does the, uh, the Eagles waffle team dissect the performance? And you played against East Perth the other day, and... Yep. You're okay. You got blown away towards the end. Yep. I don't know. I don't know what happened. East Perth, who probably almost should have beaten South Melbourne in the previous game as well. So mm-hmm. they're not. Albeit that was their first win. They're not the worst team in the competition. But how do you dissect it as a group? Do you have a leadership meeting? Do you have the coaches meeting? Do the Ammo's boys get involved in the sort of in the evaluation of a performance? How does it all work? Well, the way we've been sort of viewing it as for the first block of this season. We try and you do try and take away positives because we are a young team that's still learning the structure. I said before, a lot of blokes missed an entire season of footy last year, so just getting back into it. We try and view the positives. This week was a bit different. We sort of we highlighted a few key fundamental errors. We're still growing as a team. We're still learning. Um, so we just we break down. Look, this is what we're doing well. We take sections of our best football and you know we match it every in, in parts of every game this year. We've we've matched it. We just can't do that for four quarters, and we haven't been able to do that for four quarters. But we highlight, especially this week, we've highlighted perform- the parts of the game where it'll be one missed handball or one missed kick um, that just comes from lack of, you know, or not a lack of skill, but just a lack of preparation, lack of, you know, we're mm. fatigued and stuff like that. Concentration. And, yeah, correct. And, I mean, once we get that, once you identify that and say, oh, you know, that missed handball, albeit it's, it's you know, it might be a little skill, but against any waffle team, they just they just bounce us and kick goals. And we're not at a level where we can defend behind that well enough yet. So we focus on the fundamental skills that we, where we that we miss and bringing awareness to that. Hopefully, you know, in coming weeks we'll teach blokes that, oh, you know, you have to take as much pride in every kick as you do. You always need to take 100% pride in every skill and you can't miss because otherwise we're just going to get bounced. Are you seeing some improvement in your ammo boys as well each and every week that yeah, they come out? Yeah, yep. definitely. I mean, if you, I take Perth as the round one exclusion. Sort of the last four-week blocks, we've played four games since then, I think in West Perth, against West Perth, West Perth, we were dreadful. We had we weren't in it for any of the game. Four quarters, we were nowhere. Yanship can do that. Too. Yep, <laughs> it can. It's <laughs> uh, a long trip. Yeah, Swan Districts the next week, we weren't in it for three quarters, and then the last quarter, we yeah. sort of got some stuff together and played some really good footy. Uh, and then it was Peel the next week, two quarter, half a footy, we were sort of hanging around, and then they blew us apart. And then you know East Perth, we were in it. For, I thought it was three goals down at three quarter time, and I thought we were in it, and then you know they blew us apart. So each week. You know, just looking at it, I think we're getting better every week. We're building towards a four-quarter game. We might not win, but we, you know, we we want to get to a point where we're competitive for four quarters, and we want to show a brand of footy that can hold up over four quarters, win, lose, or draw. Um, at half time, um, in the game against East Perth, there was a lot of push and shove and jumpers being ripped. Yep. Um, you flew the flag. Did you think you have to as the captain, or did you do you have do you have absolute reason to get involved? Oh, I mean, I I don't like anyone. Sort of push and shoving anyone from my team, whether I'm the captain or you know, if I if I played my first game against St Kilda, if something had gone on there, albeit I might have been a little bit scared, I would have just got in. But <laughs> um, you know, I I I'd like I like to think that I'll stand up for my mates on in um, in that sort of game. Jordan Busher was the one that um, got Shane Hilly late, and um, you know he was an East, East ex East Perth player, so I knew there was going to be a little bit of fire, so I had to get in there, and um, I think it was a one week down to a reprimand in the end for a few of us, but uh, oh, I mean, that's just the way it goes, that's just footy, you've got to stand up for your mates, fly the flag where possible. Stan Wright was a target, of course, who lives <coughs> with uh, a good mate of yours. Yeah, Rothy out there, he's, uh, <laughs> no, we so we played, and the funny thing is, we played with a lot of those boys, you know, the alignment was only three years ago, four mm. years ago, so mm. I mean, I played my first year at West Coast with a lot of those boys, so... 
it's funny you get in and you're sort of throwing jumpers and then it's, <laughs> oh, hey, Stan, how are you? Yeah, Janga Janga, what's going on, man? Nice to see you. I haven't seen He's you He's a, a big unit, isn't he? Well, yeah, that's the thing. So I saw Bush got hit and I saw uh, and I saw Stan running straight in and I thought, geez, all right, I, no, that's not a bad one to do. I can, I'll go try to toe with Stan, run in. Next thing I know, I've got a Janga Janga on one hand and, and Nick Robinson on the other hand. I'm like, geez, there's a, that's a couple of big boys going yeah, at it. Probably. But, yeah, no, it was uh, – yeah. You just say that's the way footy is sometimes. All right, so um, let's just uh, in just in summary, let's. I want to get your opinions of these games. Subiaco are playing uh, Peel Thunder. This is Saturday Leaderville Oval. You obviously um, you haven't played Subi yet, have you? No, we missed him. We had the buy uh, that uh, the. It's coming up COVID, later. The COVID it's now break, been moved. Yeah. yeah. COVID break. Okay, but you have played Peel. Um, yep. Is it going to be tough for Peel to beat Subi? Well, Subi have bounced back this year. I mean, I I, I said at the start of the year that I think um, they'll make the grand final. I thought. They had an uncharacteristic season last year. They've bounced back and they're playing some really good footy. We played Peel. Peel at their best are very, very good. Mm. I mean, they've got some really good young kids. They've got that blend of the AFL talent with their waffle guys. And a few, most a lot of their waffle guys, a few of their waffle guys have played AFL footy. So they've got some really strong leaders down there. They were very good. Um, I think if Peel can play the way they played against us, against Subi, it'll be, a, it'll be a tight game. So I'm going to have to I'll tip Peel. Okay. Claremont at home. Uh, they're taking on East Perth. Uh, Claremont. All right. Um, need second thoughts no, on it? No, we're good. Uh, just a reminder also that SEN Radio is covering the Subiaco Peel Thunder game. Um, obviously, we'll, we'll skip our game for the time being, your game, should I say. Steel Blue Oval, Swan Districts and East Fremantle. Um, we spoke to Sam Fisher and he said, you know, East Fremantle are always going to be hard to beat, but it is at Bassendine. I, I have personally never won out there, so I have to tip Swan Districts. <laughs> Every time we've – in 2019, we played them and they'd won – I think they won three games of the year and two of them were against us at Bassendine, so – they uh, they got something special out there. I'll go with them. Provident Financial Oval, West Perth take on Perth, and we saw Perth bounce back. And, and I would imagine, and I got a very a good message from a mad, knowledgeable, crazy demon supporter. Said, "Watch out in the next four or five weeks. In the next sorry, three or four weeks, they're going to get all their stars back, and they are going to be very hard to beat. They're going to come hard." Well, I was talking to uh, an inside source, uh, ex co-captain Fraser McInnes, the other day, and uh, I think they've got twenty one. Injuries or something, just ludicrous amount of blokes. Right from hurt. the right from the first game yeah, against you. I know. Well, they had Josh Smith and Fraze go down in that first game, so they had a few. Um, and he said, "Yeah, the uh, the boys are back in town in about three or four weeks." He reckons, but uh, just for this week, given the uh, the weight of injuries, I think West Perth. And let's just briefly touch on you. What do you got to do right? What's the one thing that you know you you have to do right at West Coast Eagles to be competitive against South Fremantle and um, and come away and go win, lose or draw? We cracked in. I think so. It starts for us with the contest. I mean, if we can if we can win or half our midfield battle, then you know we, we can't. There was the games at the start of the year. West Perth was the key example. We had no midfield pressure on, and it just makes like you can be the best defender in the world, but if if, if you've got blokes streaming out of the midfield with no pressure, you're not going to be able to defend it. So we got to put pressure on the contest at the start, um, and then if we can, you know, win or half a couple of forward half contests, we've, we've scoring's been our main issue. Like. We've had we kicked three goals on the weekend. If we can turn, you know, if we can turn that into six, seven, eight, nine, then we can start to you know put a bit of pressure on and be competitive. So I think winning the contest in the midfield to put take pressure off the backs, and then you know we got to start hitting the scoreboard. Now, of course, uh, you do work at West Coast as well yep. as well as being captain of the Waffle Team, and you also do the Coast to Coast podcast. And Money Bags will be uh, on it, of course. Fresh, your mate. Yep. Oscar Allen. Uh, he's signed a new deal. So is there a little snip there for us? I mean, is he going to? 
bring a coffee? Or? Yeah, I don't know. I think, well, we record the podcast around lunchtime. So if, uh, if you're listening, I was a little ham and cheese toast. He wouldn't go astray. <laughs> but, you know, it's, a great, it's a great get, isn't it, for, for, for him and for West Coast. There was a lot of murmurs. I don't think he was going anywhere. He certainly didn't intimate, and I'm a bit disappointed – that he didn't break the news on Coast to Coast. Well, I mean, we were meant to film it. For those uh, little inside knowledge, we were meant to record it yesterday uh, and Aussie's come through saying, look, I've got a pretty busy schedule today. Any chance we can uh, redo tomorrow? I thought, yeah, no worries, mate. But then uh, at about one o'clock, the the news (laughs) broke. So... I am a little bit disappointed he didn't drop it on the podcast. That could have bumped the ratings up a little bit. But exactly. uh, yeah, a great get for the club. He's he's forty eight games in and he's um he's playing like a you know, he's in probably all Australian squad contention, I would have thought at this part of the year. He's really playing some good footy. Works so well with the two big blokes we got down there. He's a um he's gonna be a great player for a long time. And what's your role at West Coast when you're not captain of the West Coast Waffle? I'm doing a bit of stuff with our community team. So I work uh, two days a week in the community department. I work with our Natanui Academy. I do stuff with the town of Vic Park out there. Actually, just come. We did walking footy this morning for 55 plus. Uh, cool. So we, had, we had 16 odd go- old uh, old fellas down there. <laughs> had a run around, had a kick, went upstairs and had a coffee afterwards. So they loved it. So just engaging the community and then uh, and then we work with our young Indigenous and multicultural kids with our Natanui Academy. Absolutely. And speaking of Indigenous, of course, it is uh, the Sir Doug Nichols round over the next couple of weeks. Yes. Um, Loving the jumper, loving the jumper, what they've done with, with, with West Coast. In fact, all of them are great. Love West Coast and certainly loving Fremantle as well. They look fantastic. Yeah, I had a look at Freo's the other day. That was great. We unveiled our one in the staff meeting um, yesterday morning. Brilliant. And they look, yeah, they look really, really good. I mean, I get impressed every year. West Coast do, I think, do a, you know, more, more often than not do a really, really good Indigenous jumper. But every year I, it seems to just improve and I um, yeah, am very much looking forward to seeing the boys run around in it. Appreciate you coming in. We might want to chat a bit more often. You're across the whole waffle competition and all things footy, and we'll hear you on Coast to Coast. Beautiful. Thanks for having me, guys. Hammer Rayshaw, he is a big part of the West Coast Eagles Football Club on and off the field, and we appreciate him coming in. Just a reminder that SEN will be covering the Subiaco Peel Thunder game at Leaderville Oval at 2.10 on Saturday. And if you're an Eagles fan, get down to Fremantle Community Bank Stadium and watch them take on the mighty Fighting Bulldogs. This is Sporting Goss. Well, tomorrow night at RAC Arena, the Perth Wildcats are back in action. And, of course, there's been a lot of talk about their lineup with the absence of Bryce Cotton. But one man who's certainly got the hot hand again is Clint Steindl. He's been kind enough to join us on Sporting Goss here on SENWA. Clint, appreciate your time. It's a, a very different-looking Perth Wildcats. Uh, yeah, I guess any time you take... Um not playing without, um, I guess, the league MVP in your team, you're going to uh, come up against uh, some different challenges. So, uh, yeah, over the, I guess, the next three games of the uh, end of the regular season, we've got some things to work through. How did you come across the information, the news? We knew that he was uh, missing, of course, uh, briefly. It didn't go to Adelaide. Uh, when did the news get through to the playing group that he'd had surgery and was going to miss the regular season? Uh, well, initially it was the uh, a groin injury that's why mm. I didn't go to Adelaide. Mm. Um, and then uh, once we got back from um, Adelaide, um, yeah, the team told all well, the coaching staff, medical staff, told us players, and that um, kind of what was going on. We didn't really know the full story yet, um, and that that fill us in once we get back to Perth uh, fully. And so the the show goes on, and as we saw in Adelaide, uh, Mitch Norton top scored the the scoring sheet for the very first time in his whole time here in Perth. That came as a surprise for me, but it is time for players to step up. I mean, you know, good players get injured too, your best players get injured too, and I suppose it just opens the door for more opportunity for other blokes to step up. 
Absolutely. I mean, it's uh, teams are going to guard you differently. Um, I mean, Bryce gets a lot of attention out there. Um, and I guess the way we work our team and our systems, it's um, a different guy may be able to step up each night or find themselves in a position where they're going to impact the game uh, in a different area than what they've used to. And uh, Norton's been playing some great basketball lately and uh, defensively he's been great all season and, and now offensively he's getting he's finding some spots where he's going to be effective and uh he's shown that um a couple of times over the past five or six games no doubt and your own form you must be very very pleased with uh you feel like you've got your mojo back you feel like you're getting the ball in the right spots and uh, and knocking them down yeah really there's only one right spot and that's straight through the hoop for me (laughs) um you are life's a, a little less stressful when when that happens but I just got to keep up with the same intent, uh, keep finding, um, I guess, my spot on the floor of, of where I'm going to get my good looks and um, and let it fly because, yeah, that's what I do. And when the ball's going in, it, it makes uh, life out there a little little more easier. We're speaking to Clint Steindl here on uh, Sporting Goss here on SEN ahead of the Wildcats game against the Sydney Kings. In a moment, we're going to touch on the Sydney Kings. We spoke to Craig Molly yesterday. Just as a player that is a hot hand type of player that you are, Clint, and, and I know there's more, you've got more strings to your bow than hitting a three, and that's, that's evidence. You've been a wonderful performer in all various forms of what's needed on court. But do you feel like when you are, when you are a hot streak player, player that you know virtually straight away whether it's going to be your night or do you just have to work through those situations no you just got to work through those situations um i mean i go into the game thinking it's going to be my night um i mean when you look at past years and my role on teams and and what i've been able to do in the uh in this league um i guess the proof is there that um i can i can shoot the ball at an elite level um, so I guess once I go out there, I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to have this, have the same intent each time. Um, yeah, sometimes the ball goes in, sometimes it doesn't. You just got to keep playing through that and keep playing your role. And, um, and yeah, you just take it from there. Now, I will say this, the other night when you knocked down 25 and you knocked one down deep in the corner, um, it certainly looked like the, the Wildcats were going to get over the line. Then then everything sort of went a little bit pear-shaped. That was a disappointing night considering how hot you were. Yeah, I guess um, after that shot in the corner, I think we went the next uh, seven possessions, I reckon, we didn't score. and We had uh, probably three or four turnovers and a couple of looks we, we didn't really want. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you you have a little patch like that of uh, uh, of seven possessions where you don't score and you're not getting stops, then that 18 point lead um, can get uh, reeled back in very quickly, and that's exactly what happened. So um, yeah, we had a few things to address there, and uh, we came out in Adelaide and, and showed a bit more composure going down the stretch, which was good. Yeah, 100%. Now you're playing Sydney, of course. They've got everything on the line. They've uh, gone and played a double uh, game uh, trip over there in New Zealand. They've gone back to Sydney. They're on a plane today to get here. So they've, they're doing it the long way. They may be a little bit weary. You want to get them early. You want to put them on the back foot early, I'm sure, especially at home. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're, they're, they're fighting for a final spot. So, I mean, whether they're tired, weary or what, whenever you're trying to uh, take one of those top four spots, um, you're going to get the team's best shot. Um, coming into Perth, I mean, 
no better place uh, for them to compete. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're just coming up against another playoff-caliber side, and it's what we need right now uh, heading into finals. The last time Aaron Ford, the coach of the Sydney Kings, was here, he was very, very upset about the love that the Perth Wildcats, in particular Bryce Cotton, gets in Perth. Um, do you feel like you get a pretty good run when you're at home, but or or is it exacerbated or highlighted by the fact is that your supporters are so loud, the Red Army? Well, I guess you don't. You won't have to worry about Bryce Cotton getting looked after because <laughs> he won't be out there. So, um, I mean, he'll I find, mean, no he'll find someone else. Playing. He'll find someone else to blame. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, no matter where you play, I mean, I mean, refs are going to make calls. Um, yeah, look, you. you we we do our best to play through it, and um, people, spectators, media, whoever may think that um, uh, we we get the best of it over here or whatever. But I mean, no matter what venue you go and play, um, you're, you're going to have some things go your way, some things go against you, and. Uh, to be honest, it's probably going to be uh, who can fight through that uh, adversity the best. Very much so. And with what's taking place in Melbourne uh, over the last couple of days with COVID, not that this is your concern right here, right now, but your, the, your next game, uh, of course, is Friday against Melbourne United RAC Arena. Who knows what's going to happen right there, but you're obviously you're only focusing on what's taking place, uh, of course, uh, tomorrow night, and, and, and we're sort of looking forward to seeing how that plays out. Clint, appreciate your time, mate. Um, it is a big game again, just for the Wildcats to keep themselves going and also to probably keep the critics at bay who think it's, uh, if Cotton's not there, then the Wildcats' uh, chances are certainly being dented. Just one last one before that you go. Have you been given any assurance that Bryce will definitely be back for the finals? Uh, at this stage, we've been told he's uh, out for the uh, the remainder of the regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I believe he was going to be evaluated in another week or two weeks to see how he's healing up. But I guess uh, we've, we've been told he, he can't do, uh, I guess, too much to be evaluated right now. It's just rest and recover. So uh, definitely out for the rest of the regular season and being evaluated in two weeks' time. Good on you, mate. Let's hope the hot hand uh, strikes some gold tomorrow night against the Sydney Kings at RAC Arena. Appreciate your time on the Sporting Goss. No dramas at all. Have a good one. Thank good you. On you. There's Clint Steindall from the Perth Wildcats, always available to us here on SENWA. Stay with us. Plenty more to come. Thanks, April. April Austin there. Still to come, Lockie Taylor. Get your pen and paper ready. He has got winners galore coming up for us for Belmont. First race goes at three past 12, just across the road here from the SEN studios. And Kaylee Thompson from the WA, NRL WA development, but also was a star for our NRLW team, which won the Open Championship in Queensland at the weekend in an absolute nail biter. On the text line, don't forget you can always text us 0487 736 736. How good a bloke is Hammer? Goss sounds awesome on the radio. That might be Hammer's uh, phone number, actually. And does Hamish still have hopes of a second chance at AFL level? I'll certainly ask him that a little later. Nick Holman had this to say post the tribunal last night. The Gold Coast Sun had a two-game ban for his tackle on Mitch Duncan overturned. Super happy with the result. Um, firstly, I'd just like to thank the tribunal for a fair hearing. Um, and we obviously respect the MRO's right to lay the charges, but... Um, we felt we had a strong case um, to challenge the suspension based on the evidence. It's unfortunate um, that Mitch got concussed. Um, I feel that was an accident, but I reached out to him on Sunday and I'm glad he's doing okay. Um, 
and I'm looking forward to running out this week against the Hawks for third Doug Nichols round. Pretty sure Nick Holman was given the script to read by the Gold Coast <laughs> media man. Did a pretty good job trying to memorise it word for word. Let's turn our attention to soccer. The news just through that Channel 10 and Paramount will be covering uh, the A-League in a $200 million offer. Is that where they got their money from? Well, they sacked us all and then they got $200 million to buy the soccer rights. What's going on there? Anyway, Graham Arnold, the coach of the Socceroos, had this to say as to why Aaron Moimoy and Tom Rogic are not in the squad. I can just say those two boys were desperate to be here. Um, but just with, again, with COVID, with the pandemic, everyone has different personal issues or reasons. And, uh, you know, Aaron being in China, being on his own, away from his family, uh, he hasn't seen his, his wife or kids for four months. The family hasn't been able to get into China. Aaron, uh, you know, he felt that he had to see his family. I support that. 100% family is number one in life. And Aaron is uh, so committed to the Socceroos and was uh, put in a position where he, you know, if he didn't go and see his family now, he wouldn't have seen them for 12 months. So, again, I support that uh, 100%. I can't wait to see Aaron back in camp uh, in the third phase in September. There is there, Graham Arnold, the coach of the Socceroos. Get your pen and paper ready because we are not far away from chatting with Lockie Taylor ahead of the race meeting, nine races at Belmont Park today. Always gamble responsibly and he's... uh, He's the best judge in town, is Lockie Taylor. There's no doubt about that. Also, Kaylee Thompson will join us from NRLWA. Of course, a fantastic player, but also a big part of the development of the game here at the grassroots level. Just repeating the news, the AFL players will be kept separate from their VFL counterparts on training track, but it is unclear if they still have to train in groups of eight like they did last year. So there's some protocols now in place on the back of the COVID breakdown and breakout there in Victoria. League officials are confident all games will continue this weekend, but a call on the crowds is still to be made. The AFL is expected to make a call today on the Marvel Stadium roof, which a closed stadium will reduce the capacity to 50%. So the plan there would be to keep the stadium open, of course. Training was cancelled, of course. Uh, Western Bulldogs returning to the training track. They've all tested um, Monday. They all got uh, notified and tested on Monday night, the Western Bulldogs. They didn't train yesterday, but they are back on the training track today. And Essendon are on their way to Perth, of course. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to Sporting Goss Podcast or the Gillian Goss Podcast. Mike McKenna, the CEO of the Optus Stadium. Georgie Parker joined us. Hamish Brayshaw from the West Coast Eagles. Waffle, Clint Steindl from the Wildcats as well. And from tomorrow, we'll be chatting with Zoe Arancini. Of course, she's a part of the Olympic team, the water polo team, which has been named. She's the only West Australian in the group, but she's a very, very good operator. I'm looking forward to chatting with her. And we'll also be chatting with Miguel Hume, who continues his walk up to Dow and the 200k walk he set off as well. Matthew Hayden's going to join us, Gillian Goss, on Friday. And I'll be back on your radio tomorrow from 10 o'clock with Sporting Goss. Thanks to Alex for pushing the buttons. Thanks to Special K, Chris Clafunas, the best producer in the business. We'll get a breakaway, come back. Pen and paper ready. Lockie Taylor next on Sporting Goss. Welcome back to Sporting Goss. Of course, there is racing at Belmont. In fact, uh, about four minutes after we uh, leave the studio is the first race at Belmont on a nine-race program. We like to touch base with leading trainers and jockeys and we've had a fair bit of success. I think last week's Shooter McGrady tipped us a 30-to-1 winner, which won on Saturday at the races. One man who is very much at the coalface and in the wheelhouse of racing is Lockie Taylor from the great Taylor family. And he works with Sky Racing and also, of course, on TAB Radio, and he's been kind enough to give us some time today. Lockie, appreciate your time. What sort of meeting have we got out there today? 
Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on this morning. It looks like a, an intriguing meeting. I think I have three best bets, two of them at a little bit of a price. So there's plenty of value in the meeting, but certainly looking forward to getting back on a good four after having plenty of rain in the last couple of days here in Perth. Yeah, tell us a bit about the... So for the listeners who listen, uh, of course, and uh, like to get a, uh, a winner or two, how long do, are there horses that are Belmont specialists and horses that uh, just go better there or better because it's wet or better because of the dynamics of the track? Just tell us a bit about the Belmont track and how different it is to that of Ascot. Without doubt, in the last month or so, I've been really earmarking horses that have been racing well at Ascot and horses that aren't typically horses that race well at Ascot. So obviously we've all known as form analysts and punters for the last month or or anyway um, that we're heading to Belmont soon. So we've always been keeping an eye on horses that tend to thrive once we head to the Belmont surface. And I think that's just because Belmont is often, well, it's not as quite tight as Ascot and obviously the rain comes as well. So those horses that appreciate getting their toe into the ground, you always need to look out for them at Belmont. Are you a video watcher um, more than most? Do you watch, I mean, how much do you take out of video watching, trial watching, stewards reports, uh, what trainers say, what jockeys do, uh, allocation of riders? I mean, how much work goes into being a form analyst of which you are one of the, considered one of the best in WA? A lot of work, really. I watch every single race in WA religiously and then I go back and watch every single race another three or four times. And <laughs> once you have that database in your head that can understand and know what has occurred in certain races, it in the end, it, it lessens the workload for you when you sit down and actually look at a meeting a couple of days out. But obviously there's things like times and, and trainers and gear changes that you need to assess as well. So A combination of everything for me and and hopefully that is able to find a winner or two. Lockie Taylor is our guest on Sporting Goss. All right, Lockie, we need... uh, I I did message you earlier today and I said, oh, you can throw up your quaddie as well, but we're going to shy away from the quaddie because you reckon you're out of quaddie form at the moment, but I'm sure uh, people can still find a winner or three. So where do we go for your three best bets today that we can find for our punters? Get your pen and paper ready. Well, to tell you the truth, I don't think I've ever been in quaddie form in my life. So (laughs) I'll start off in race number one, with number six, Cross Statement. He's a horse that hails from our stable, actually. So Ooh. I know firsthand that he's improved significantly since the first up run. Admittedly, this is a much harder race. He was only in a maiden last start, and he's up against horses that have won races here this afternoon. But I just know that he's improved from barrier one. Jason Brown can either lead with him if he wants to, or he'll sit in behind what looks likely to be a really hot tempo. And from there, I think he can run a really big race at odds. And at fourteen dollars, you don't mm. have, you don't really need to have much on to get much back. There it is, race one, number six, cross statement. And I've tell this story every time someone tips in a race with no white flag. We interviewed Willie Pike the day after he rode this horse at trials, and I said, "What was the best horse you rode at trials today?" And he goes, "Oh, some horse, I don't know." So I don't even know its name. Um, I'll, I'll find out what it is. And it happened to be No White Flag, who who uh, got beaten as an odds-on favourite first up, but has since come out and won. It's going to be the one to beat, I am sure. But let's take a look at that one. Race one, number six, cross statement. Where do we go for you next, Lockie? In race three, we head to the two-year-old 1,200-metre race, and I'm chasing some value again with number nine in No Dice. She's $17 at the moment. Wow. And now. The current favourite in a stripe, she's $2.15, and the two horses actually come from the same race. No Dice wasn't beaten all that far behind a stripe last start. A stripe ran third, and No Dice was a further placing behind in fourth. Now, I just think the form behind Flying Missile and Ultimate Command, who finished first and second in that race, I just think that's probably, if not the best, one of the best two-year-old form references here in WA. So I really trust the race she's coming out of. 
And I just think we're getting the price for no dice, given the fact that she's drawn a sticky alley. But she's up to 1,200 metres this afternoon, and an informed Pat Carberry is aboard. So we put our trust in Paddy. Hopefully he can roll forward. And given the fact that a stripe is $2.15 at the moment and no dice is $17, I certainly think no dice is well worth the play at the each-way price. I hope you're writing these down, punters, because we've so far, we've got cross-statement, race one, number six, each-way, $14, and no dice, race three, number nine, $17 for Lockie Taylor. And you've got a shorter one for us uh, to round out your best three. I certainly do. In race number five, number one, Bragwell. I thought he was a super win last start ahead of Try For Us and Perfect Gem. Now, we've since seen Try For Us was a subsequent winner on Saturday afternoon at Belmont Park, and Perfect Gem... Should be awfully hard to beat a little later on this afternoon as well. So I like that form reference that he's coming out of, coming out of, and I think he's only going to improve stepping out to 16.50 this afternoon. Last start was over 1,400 metres, and just the way he was chasing and off the bridle from a long way out suggests to me that stepping up to this type of journey should only suit, and, and I think he can live up to his rel- relatively short quote. Sky Racing's Lockie Taylor, and of course you can hear him also on TAB Radio as well. Race one, number six, race three, number nine, both each way. And the best at a shorter quote is race five, number one, Bragwell. Appreciate your time. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Good on you. He's a good man. Lockie Taylor from the Taylor family, of course. uh, Very, very big players in our game. And he is an outstanding form analyst. And I'm very pleased that he jumped on board to take our call today here on Sporting Goss. That's race one, number six, race three, number nine, and race five, number one. Gamble responsibly. The first race goes at four past 12. Well, we always speak about NRL on Sporting Goss with Jimmy Smith each and every week. But one thing we haven't touched on since we've started the Sporting Goss is talk about the Women's Rugby League competition, the NRL for women. And they had the First Nations Gems taking on our Western Australian team at the Opens Division final on the weekend on Sunday. And it is great news that the WA Rugby League team got the job done on the back of an outstanding match-winning performance by their halfback, Carly Thompson, who joins us on Sporting Goss. Well, you must still be, albeit a few days on, on Cloud9. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, we are the girls. We're still uh, reliving the tournament a little bit through photos <laughs> and memories. And um, nah, it was a, it was a great, a fantastic experience. And, and just, yeah, really proud to kind of take it, bring it home back to WA. No doubt about that. It was a close affair too. And you needed something special to force the game into overtime. Yeah, we were, we were lucky enough um, to get a penalty kind of close to the sticks. So, um I was uh, able to kind of tie us back up to take us into overtime, but my heart was racing a little bit because if I'd missed that kick, um, yeah, we, we probably would have <laughs> lost the game. So just, just grateful for that, and then the girls got us home in the end. So tell us how that's like. So you're, you're, you've got the you've, you need to put it through the sticks. You're over the ball. You're a little bit nervous. Okay, just paint the picture. Were you on the sideline seventy metres away, or were you right in front? <laughs> I was. I was. Just to the right of the, the post, so um, not right in front, but definitely not by the sideline. But those are the hardest ones because those are the ones that people expect you to get with yep. your eyes closed. So, um, and knowing kind of the weight of, of what it meant if I missed it, um, yeah, the pressure was definitely on. But I kind of I've kicked those, I've done those ones a thousand times before, so I think I just fell back on that, and and yeah, lucky enough to get it through. Kaylee Thompson is our guest, and we're talking about winning the National Championships Opens final on the weekend. And f- the best part about it, it's the first time WA have been in it. Yeah, absolutely. It was our first one there, just as us as WA. We usually go um, as a combined affiliated states with um, Victoria, 
uh, in TNSA, but we were just us this year and um, and came away with the spoils, which I think makes it even more special, um, being one of the smallest states in terms of rugby league, um, to go there and, and, and kind of show them that we can play rugby league um, and, yeah, and, and win it, really. And another message to the NRL bosses that maybe WA should have a men's team, Kaylee. But you can't say too much. It can't be controversial. <laughs> it's just, it's a, yeah, it's a great kind of, I think, another um, feather in our, our hat to say, yeah, we can. Hey, we love rugby league over here. Yeah. Um, we can't play it men's and women's, you know, um, but. If it comes, it comes for sure. Now, in regards to the game evolving here in Western Australia, you've played a big part in that. You've got a role at uh, NRLWA. You're a development officer. And obviously it must give you great heart to see that, you know, you, you, you're involved in the grassroots development of the game, but at the same time is you're at the coalface of the actual playing at the elite level now for WA. So you've got to foot in both camps. So that's probably even more special about what took place on the weekend for WA. Oh, absolutely. I get to see um, from the grassroots, from the kids, um, you know, just as they're beginning their rugby league journey and then obviously getting to play with the girls as as they're looking to go professional, hopefully with NRLW. Um, But the grassroots is my favourite part. It's uh, the kids just getting to have fun with their mates on the weekends and and learning learning a new sport. And, yeah, it's just cool to see the pathway that we have here in WA um, and being able to watch them on their journey as they go through that. Kaylee Thompson, our guest on Sporting Goss. We're talking about NRLW, of course. Uh, great win by WA on the weekend in the uh, National Women's Title Open, of course, on Sunday. Uh, a, a wonderful win, a wonderful result, of course. Now, just in regards to, I can obviously, I can, I can hear a, an accent. I can hear that you're from Scotland. Um, but um, <laughs> how long have you been in WA from New Zealand, and um, how come you stayed? Um, I've been here for about seven years. Um, I followed my parents. They came over first, um, just looking for a new opportunity from New Zealand. And I came over for a holiday, haven't gone back. Um, and, and wouldn't go back. It's beautiful. I love WA. I love what it offers. Um, and I, to me, we're, we're, the best, um, we're the best state in Australia for sure. So um, just all the opportunities that we have here. Um, and, and especially the rugby league community, it is a, it's a family to me. So... That's why I'm, I'm putting down roots here for sure. Yeah, good on you. Well, talk, let's talk about the evolving nature of the sport. How hard is it to get young kids, boys and girls, to play the game? And it is a really strong physical game. Just imagine there's a parent listening to the show right now and they are undecided about their youngster playing rugby league. Give them some reassurances that it's a great sport and a safe sport. Yeah, absolutely. No, it is. It's it's one of the, the greatest sports for our young ones. Um, the NRL have introduced um, a new format of the sport. So for the um, under sixes and sevens, they play league tag. So they don't tackle to start with. So the kids can get used to the game and, and kind of how it how it goes without that fear of being tackled or having to tackle. And then from that, um, we our job as NRL development officers, we go to each and every club um, and we do a tackle-ready program for the under seven. So each child gets put through a six-week program with us as the NRL staff members, um, teaching them all the, the safety and making them confident with their tackling. Um, but, yeah, we've got a great community. And, um, yeah, I would highly recommend if, if they're looking to try a new sport to give rugby league a go. How's the imprint in schools? Are you still uh, are you wearing that one down? Is the education system uh, keeping you at bay or are you winning that battle slowly? 
They, um, yeah, the, the education system, it's, um, it is tough to crack sometimes, but no, we've got some great schools here, um, some great high schools that have actually rugby league on their curriculum. Um, so we've got five high schools at the moment in Perth that have rugby league and they um, compete uh, within our competition. And then we have um, carnivals that we run every term as well. So it's just a great, um, I think a lot of the footy kids love it. They get to come over and, and run around and kick and kind of display their um, athleticism in our game and gives them a little bit of a taste. So a lot of support um, from some great teachers that we have here in, in WA. So it's really good to see. Carly Thompson, our guest from NRL WA and, of course, a development officer, but also the match-winning halfback who played for the WA team in the Women's Rugby League on the weekend. So the sport is growing. It is evolving all the time. What happens now with the state team girls? Uh, and what about the domestic competition, the senior domestic competition for the women's here in WA? Yeah, so we're straight back to it. We've got a game um, this Friday night, actually, just the, the round restart. So a lot of the girls will be facing off against each other, which is going to be fun. Um, and then from that, um, hopefully in the next couple of months, um, I strongly believe a few of the girls will be getting a tap on the shoulder um, looking for contracts for NRLW, which will um, start around maybe August. Uh, and then that will see them uh, push through maybe over east to do some professional work for those um, NRL clubs, which will be really exciting. No doubt it is. Hey, congratulations to you, Kaylee, on your wonderful performance, uh, your role as a, a senior player in your team, but also what you're doing at the de- development stage here in NRL WA through Johnny Saxon and the whole crew. Congratulations on the weekend. May the celebrations end now and get your shoulder to the wheel for the local <laughs> domestic competition. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Tim. Thank you for having me. Absolute delight. Uh, Kaylee Thompson there, and of course, get in touch to uh, to NRLWA if you want to seek any advice in regards to developing uh, the game here in Western Australia at a kids' level or as a senior level as well. It's a growing competition. It's a wonderful competition, and there's a lot more people playing the game than you realise. We are an AFL state, but let me tell you, rugby league has got a very big imprint here in Western Australia on the back of some great work of John Saxon, of course, and also the hardworking staff, including Kaylee Thompson. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.